Welcome to the Tennessee on Supply Chain Management podcast. Listen in as co-hosts Ted Stank and Tom Goldsby set sail into the world of end-to-end supply chain management, diving deep into today's most relevant business topics. They'll share insights and pressing industry issues and tackle the challenges keeping supply chain professionals up at night. If you're enjoying the ride, download and subscribe to Tennessee on Supply Chain Management on your favorite podcast platform now. Hello and welcome to another edition of Tennessee on Supply Chain Management, coming to you from the Gaylord Resort, beautiful Orlando, Florida, a special edition of the podcast today for a number of reasons. we got a couple of really good friends joining us uh, on site here at the CSCMP EDGE Conference. I've been trying to call it the TEDGE Conference for some time. Why? Because our very own Dr. Ted Stank was honored this morning. Ted, you seen anything good in the last few days since you've been here at the Oh, it's all good. You know, it's, I, I love this conference because I can't walk 10 feet down the hall without seeing an old friend. I think it just took us about 45 minutes to get here from where we were before. Now, it was a long way when you have conferences at the Gaylord. It's always a long it, way. It but was. It was. It's because you see uh, so many people that, that, you know, we've been looking forward to this banner day showed up in, in force from the big orange to see Dr. Ted Stank, our co-host of the Tennessee and Supply Chain Management podcast. Come across the the stage, and I I congratulated you for that, right? You were able to walk out on stage without the cane. Without my cane. Offer some some great remarks, very humble remarks. I'm sure those will land on YouTube here soon. encourage folks to go out and see those. But uh, And you also walked back off stage. uh, I did, down steps, too. Beautiful, and steps, too. What he's referring to is I had my hip replaced three weeks ago. (laughs) Exactly, three weeks ago today, and it's the second of two hip replacements. But meanwhile, the first one went a lot easier, right? First one, yeah. First one was a piece of cake. Went two weeks, and I was walking fine. So I thought this one would be the same. Some of us were scratching our heads. You're scheduling that surgery three weeks before your big Uh, My badass badass wife likes We have a window of opportunity. You're doing this. (laughs) It's going down. Well, hey, um, like I said, we're, we're very fortunate to have a couple of good friends. It feels a, a little bit, it's like a Christmas carol, like Christmas past, present, and future. It's <laughs> CSCMP, past, present, and future, if you will. We've got the sitting board chair and Tom Nightingale, who's joined us, and the incoming board chair, Dr. Terry Esper. So we'll get to them in, in due order. But hey, there's been some some action out there in the world and supply chain. Seems as though a government shutdown is getting kicked down the road. I think 45 days from now, 44 days maybe, yeah. we'll be gnashing teeth and wringing hands as to whether or not there's going to be a government shutdown. And, well, and there'll be some uh, drama before then, supposedly this week, because several members of the Freedom Caucus are uh-huh. challenging McCarthy for leadership. So, But it'll all work out smoothly because our government always works things out completely smoothly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, UAW still on strike. Seems like Stellantis, they seem to be going a little softer there. This week, a yeah. Little friendlier Ford, it was there. Ford last week, but yeah, this week it was Stellantis. But, uh, so, but so I think they on. announced today, though, 7,000 more workers were going on strike. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's, it's kind of that interesting strategy, this kind of really this rollout is. thing, right? First time ever that they've struck all three U.S. auto manufacturers at the same time. Right. Right. Usually they'll do one and try to get an agreement in place and then use that as the template for the other one. So, but, yeah, this whole kind of rolling strike is interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like bringing this strike to your supply chain. You know? <laughs> and it's like they kind of understood this end-to-end notion and I think where to take I, them out at the knees. Like a huge number of states that the facilities are in, too. So, yeah. so we're keeping tabs on that, but just to kind of <clears> keep things moving. 
You, on the way in, said that you saw the most recent logistics manager index, the LMI. Yeah. And I hadn't seen the Rogers and Rogers duo to ask them yet about what that number came out. But you said it's actually up a tick. Yeah, it came out late last week. It's 51.6, I think, which is the first time it's been above 50 in several months. So like the purchasing managers index, any number above 50 suggests expansion. And it was mostly uh, due to inventory. Stocking levels are going back. Okay. And I don't know if that's adjusted for seasonality or not. I mean, we're going into holidays and maybe the feeling is the inventories were getting right-sized a little bit. Well, I mean, compared to where we'd been with inventory, where we had we were way overstocked and nobody was buying anything new. And I think manufacturing order numbers are up as well. It suggests that there is some confidence that in the holiday season, we're going to move some product. As you know, as I've repeated on multiple occasions, I have a lot of confidence in the American consumer to step up even if it means buying on credit more, but I think they're, they're but, but, you know, where we are though is like so fragile. So it does make me wonder if we'd had this shutdown, how would that have impacted holidays? That would have been the, the strong I was mainly that. worried about how I was going to get here and home. If, you know, TSA was <laughs> well, it, I was honestly thinking about that. It's like, okay, flying down to Orlando, it might be fine, but heading back, we might be renting a bus to get back to Rocky Top. I, I was the I was the academic geek yesterday at the airport making jokes with the TSA folks. Like, hey, you're going to be able to buy dinner tonight, aren't you? Most of them laughed about it a couple of months ago. They're like, shut the hell up. <laughs> this is your week, Ted. You can, you can josh with anybody you I don't, want. I'm not sure level. they knew that. <laughs> Probably not. Hey, so LMI, kind of a high water mark, you know, on the way back. Speaking of... High water, I guess. Uh, low water. Low water in the case of the Mississippi, right? I know yeah. that you, you've been monitoring that situation. Also, uh, the Panama Canal's sailing schedules affected. You know, it's really big for the Mississippi this time of year, too, because so many of our agricultural products move down the Mississippi on barge. And, I mean, they're saying some areas of the Mississippi are like at two feet. Oh and so it's really limiting in terms of what kinds of traffic we can move on barge, which means you're going to have to look to alternatives like rail, which means that what's that do to rail capacity for typical products that move on rail? And it just Shows has a cascading effect. Panama Canal is at all time lows. So they're really restricting the size of ships that can move through and the number that can move through. So um, interesting things to keep an eye on with not typical things that we track, but have a big impact on what we do in the supply chain. Yeah, something that we do track and track closely, fuel prices. And uh, heading upward, looking at uh, $4 fuel and diesel higher than that. You know, something that I I track, I read a lot of different news because I feel like Josh King, our forum manager and our collaborative manager, he mentioned last night that I said one time that supply chains are about constellations. And I think the idea there is we're just so interconnected to everything. I was really interested in the announcement a week or so ago about the agreement with Iran to release the hostages Mm -hmm. and the $6 billion that had been kept locked down from them and frozen. And I was looking for what was the real benefit there. And it was a really small announcement that Iran announced shortly after that agreement that they're going to start increasing their oil output. Mm. Hmm. And I, I'd be willing to bet that if we were sitting at that negotiating table, that that was the trade-off. It's like, hey, Iran, mm-hmm. we need you to start kicking up on yeah. oil because the Saudis and the Russians are are not, you know, and cutting back. So maybe that will impact mm-hmm. that oil price. But yeah. 
speculation of diesel going above, well, not diesel, diesel's already above $4, yeah. but just regular gas going above $4. Yeah. And then you, you just say, I mean, again, these things that could be straws on the camel's back, yeah. right? As we just kind of teeter and, and yeah. continue to deal with the uncertainty. Maybe we're all just getting immune to the news. It's just like, we're just going to keep just, <laughs> just living and forget Comfortably about numb, it. do you think? There's sometimes when I read the news and thought, if I didn't have the job I had, I would just shut it all down, I think, you know, and just live in la-la land, immune to everything out there. Yeah, no, there, there's some bliss maybe in, in ignorance. But hey, we, we can't be uh, wholly ignorant. I, we wouldn't be able to do uh, podcasts. We wouldn't be able to do podcasts and, and uh, you wouldn't be able to come up with analogies around constellations and then drawing those analogies to other cool things and applications. You know, coming to CSCMP is kind of that constellation too, right? I mean, just in terms of, like you said, walking down the hall, you can't walk. Well, you, can, you can't walk. But but when with the aid of a cane, you're walking a little bit, you get a couple of steps and you're running into someone that you've known. And, and we had a, a great gathering last night to, to celebrate Ted. It, it was a, a toast and a roast. And, and you took it well, my friend. Oh, you guys uh, you are pretty easy on yeah. the roast. Well, you don't know what we have in store for you tonight. But <laughs> anyway, so, so build up your strength. It's just been great to, to be back here. I, I haven't missed one of these since 1995. I've got a pretty good streak going, I think. I had 29 in a row at one point. Yeah. And then we changed the timing. You had to I go to Europe. In, yeah, and I was in Europe with our executive and, MBAs. Yeah. But, but a couple of dear friends that we count on running into, not only running into, but we're looking to them for leadership now in these tumultuous times. The current board chair, Tom Nightingale, and the incoming board chair, effective what is it, the, the stroke of midnight on your Eve? <laughs> Terry, when you take over? Yeah, Dr. Really Terry when, Wednesday morning, right? Really? Yeah. No, it's officially December, yeah. Oh, yeah, right, officially yeah. December. Yeah. When, when is the um, the members' vote meeting? Yeah, that's Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. afternoon. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when it becomes official. Right. Then I got oh, a couple are we being presumptuous out. here? Yeah, right, right. Oh, exactly. my goodness. Ah. I didn't realize. Yeah, there could we be two. Yeah. You know, yeah, speak, yeah, you know Speaker McCarthy, <laughs> I want some. Uh... Right, exactly, right. <laughs> some Matt Gates might jump up okay. and say, hey, I don't know about this. <laughs> so, 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 guys, we can edit this if we need to, if Esper's not, in fact. Yeah, we'll yeah, 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 We've yeah, never yeah. had to edit a podcast before. It just runs, but all right, if, if we yeah. really have to. But, but Tom, welcome. Terry, welcome. Hey, Straight to have you. you on the podcast. Yeah, We've been looking forward us. to this. And again, you, you're both very distinguished in, in your own right. And we really appreciate with what you bring to our discipline and, and CSCMP in particular. And we're kind of just kind of maybe hoping to get a little bit of background. Not everyone in the logistics supply chain world, even some folks outside the logistics supply chain world, listen to the podcast. Tom Nightingale, give us a little background who you are and what brings you here. So in the day job, I run a company called AFS Logistics. We focus on four things. We are a, a very large LTL, a very large parcel, and very large freight audit and payment provider. And then we are a small to mid-sized transportation management provider. Been a part of CSCMP now for probably about 25, 27 years in total. And I would say that... Uh, Active on the board level probably for about eight years and delayed to have had the opportunity to serve over the course of the past year and uh, hopefully to leave Terry uh, uh, all my problems. <laughs> uh, broad shoulders, Terry. Terry well, well, taking on. Dr. Terry Esper. Hey, man. What brings you to the show? Well, I don't know, man. It's been a long and crazy winding road to get here. So I'm like you guys, like the you talked about being an academic nerd and geeking out. But yeah, I'm an, I'm an educator, right? I'm on the front line of the the talent pipeline and supply chain. I'm a professor 
at the Ohio State University. You know, got to put the emphasis on that. Right, Those legally, trademark. legally, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Isn't that legally? Right. It, it is legally. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> There's a whole story behind that. But, um, you know, getting here, uh, again, I'm, I'm a professor at Ohio State, but, you know, I also have spent my time at other big schools, including Big Orange, right? So Ted and I actually joined Ted's the faculty got there. got some Big Orange together. Blood. Yeah, 10, ten years. years. Ten we years. ran together for 10 years there at Ohio State. I went back to my alma mater, uh, Arkansas, for about five years, and I'm at Ohio State. Uh, but actually got here through, um, you know, in between all of that, you know, CSCMP was a big part mm-hmm. of my career. Actually started, I, I think my very first CSCMP was 96 as a graduate student. And uh, pretty much almost had a full streak uh, until I remembered there were a couple of years there early in my career when uh, I wasn't high up enough to <laughs> actually travel. So <laughs> I had to wait. Didn't make, to make the traveling team? Didn't make the traveling team. But ever since I made the traveling team. That when you were at Hallmark? That was at Hallmark. Yeah. yeah. And uh, But ever since then, I've been a part of CSEMP consistently. Never missed one. You know, and speaking of Terry being at UT, I remember I was on the faculty at Kentucky. Back in the late 2000s. I already know this. I already know what we're <laughs> And I'm watching SEC football. Yes. <laughs> Terry Esper's beautiful mug on the face. He's the face of the University oh, of yeah. Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Right? So yeah, go yeah. back. That's probably on a YouTube reel somewhere. Yeah, it may be. Hey, speaking of which, promo. you know, the promo commercial that every big school has every yeah. year for football games. Yeah. Supply chain management is mentioned mm-hmm. in Tennessee's promotional That's right. yeah, commercial yeah. this year. Well, that was the thing. I was on the promotional commercial. <laughs> yep. for and we haven't games. been since then. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? When, I, when it first aired, I was in a bar. Because I got the weather was bad. I was at an airport bar, not in the airport, but a hotel right outside of an airport. And everybody's watching the game. And I'm like, hey, that was just me. I had never seen the commercial before. And somebody's like, man, that wasn't you. I'm like, no, that was just me. I was just on TV. And uh, did you yeah. drink free the rest of the night? Uh, well, no, I, it wasn't. I wasn't that <laughs> famous as a result. Nobody really believed it. It happened so fast. That's the part. And it only goes up once. Right? Yeah, like every other. Once, I heard if like you get on seconds. X or TikTok and ask Taylor Swift for a date, <laughs> you might be able to get to that level. Anything, the man, next Travis get, get to that next level. Mm. Hey, Tom, speaking about being on the front lines, you know, the kind of business that you're in is literally on the front lines, right? We talk a lot about manufacturers and retailers, huge part of our economy, but nothing happens. Nobody buys if we can't move the stuff to where people need it. What are the trends are you seeing out there and, you know, in terms of where we are now and looking into the next few months, particularly as we head into the, the holiday buying season? What kind of things are you seeing out there? Yeah, so we, we have a unique vantage point on the industry because we audit and pay about $11 billion of freight across all modes. We've got a pretty amazing sample of data to pull from. And we do uh, produce a, a freight index that's forward-looking as well. And it really varies by mode. You know, it's not the same story across every mode. Truckload has started to bump the bottom. I called that very early, about a quarter ago. It's not inflected yet. But if I had to guess, and we don't officially predict out past the quarter, I think uh, after we get through Chinese New Year and if enough inventory bleeds off and there isn't too much consumer demand destruction, truckload should start to definitively inflect. Now, it's not going to be a, you know, a massive ski slope going back up, but it will be solid. Growth, at least. Yeah, yeah. growth um, and not just bumping this bottom. Parcel uh, is weak. Parcel is very weak. Yeah. We audit and pay about $4 billion worth of parcel. And we've seen much more aggressive pricing coming out of the uh, the parcel carriers because they need to fill their networks. And they're all juggling their networks, UPS, and obviously in their case, to try to offset labor costs and right. labor increases. FedEx, as they continue to try to readjust their operations from uh, disparate operations into an integrated operation. 
And then LTL got really crazy going from a declining market to all of a sudden really just solidifying because of the yellow bankruptcy. Freight got moved and, and the capacity got absorbed, which was good, but it definitely stiffened up pricing. Uh, and I think it will stay that way for probably for another three months or so. And assuming that demand continues to fall gradually in the manufacturing sector, then I think LTO will kind of be right back to where it was pre-yellow bankruptcy, which was falling at about a, a 3 to 4% quarter over quarter mm. level. So it's a different story by mode. We don't predict ocean. We just don't have a large enough sample size there. But it's been interesting to watch the market ebb and flow. And particularly if you match that up against our, our revenue model, it creates a lot of gyrations in our business. It, it was very curious when you have one of the big three LTL carriers close its doors. And I mean, it was Suddenly. it was at risk for yeah. a long, long time. Yeah. Right. 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 We saw it coming. But meanwhile, in terms of absorbing it, so you're saying that the LTL industry largely was able to kind of absorb that and yeah. keep it moving. Yeah. Well, it's Frank, probably helpful that it happened in a somewhat of a declining market. It, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There was enough capacity out there. Freight got moved. It didn't necessarily find its rightful home. Hmm. You know, somebody that was using yellow is probably not going to be happy with the pricing they have from somebody like, say, Old Dominion. Hmm. And you'll see that reset over the next probably six to nine months as contracts normalize again. But at least freight didn't get stuck. It didn't get stranded. Uh, it wasn't waiting on docks other than a handful of yellow facilities where they just kind of stopped working when the news started to get ugly. Mm-hmm. And we did we did a lot of kind of saving of loads that were stranded out there. But other than that, the industry handled it in, in good form. Mm-hmm. Dr. Esper, yeah. you uh, pontificate routinely in front of students. Mm-hmm. You research, leading scholar in our field, conduct a lot of talks. Uh, what are the things you're witnessing? What's on your mind in the supply chain world? Yeah, no, this is, uh, you know, I mean, I guess just kind of picking up on this narrative. You know, I, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, we talk about what happened with Yellow, the resilience of, of our industry. I know that over the last couple of years, it seemed like doomsday, right? right? When you think about the crisis and, you know, nowadays, like everybody's like, hey, what's going on in the supply chain space? Right? People who never even knew what supply chain management was are all concerned there right now. And, uh, and rightly so, right? Because we've had a lot of press about a lot of issues that we've had to contend with. But, you know, what, what I'm actually just amazed by when I think about all that we've gone through and even this most recent situation with Yellow, even the conversations that we were having as we were, you know, preparing for what could have been a UPS strike. It's just how resilient we are in supply chain. I mean, that's that's the business. I mean, that's what we do. And I've had to kind of share that a few times. Like, you know, we've had crises before. You probably didn't know about it (laughs) because we've been so good at trying to navigating around it and through it. But the reality is that that's the business we're in in supply chain. Right. I mean, it's a it's a roller coaster ride in this business. And, you know, we've had our share of ups and downs over the years. You know, I think now they're more pronounced because there are more eyeballs, more visibility to what we're doing in supply chain. But, you know, it's it's always nice to kind of after we get through these issues to kind of step back and look at kind of where a yellow situation is in the grand scheme of all the different issues that we've had to contend with over the years. Right. Um, and so I, I'm always just thinking about just at industry level and, and in the supply chain community, how we've been able to just, as you say, ebb and flow as, you know, the environment changes, all the stuff you guys just talked about. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's an up and down for us. And that's just kind of the, the business that we're in. And having said that, you know, another thing that I'm just really watching and, and thinking about is just how the increased visibility that we have as a community is starting to shift and shape our work, our discipline. Right. You guys are seeing it at UT. Like you said, you guys are on the commercial 
Like more and <laughs> right. more people concerned about what's going on in supply chain. Yeah. The, the, the I always say that prior prior to the pandemic, nobody knew what supply chain management was. Now they still don't know what it is, but they've heard the term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've heard the phrase. Yeah, absolutely. So true. Yeah, and I think we've got kind of a responsibility as well to kind of seize and stretch that moment, if you will. You're right. Right? And right. make a movement. We look to leading professional organizations, CSCMP, to kind of stretch that moment, make it, make it a movement. So tell us, Tom, about uh, what you've been undertaking during your time as board chair and some of the big initiatives here at CSCMP to make it a movement. You know, as board chair, you really have a pretty limited window to try to affect change. So you kind of have to pick your battles. And thankfully, you know, after 60 years of this, CSCMP is really good at a lot of things. And the things that, that we're really good at, I kind of didn't mess with them at all. The two areas that I focused on most heavily during my tenure were the one that's under the war line, which is just creating better accountability, better visibility, better transparency for the board and management to ensure that we're aligned. Um, so not the kind of thing a member would necessarily see, or experience, but what they see and experience is the fact that we continue to get better and better at a faster and faster pace. Uh, the second area is go-to-market. So we made a lot of good strides in the, our go-to-market strategy because despite the general awareness of the world now about supply chain, the awareness of CSCMP is not where it needs to be. The amount of value that we create for our members, the amount of knowledge that we bring to the table, the amount of opportunity that we create isn't as known as it should be. And we've had a great history of trying to tackle individualized items, you know, a digital strategy or a you know, member experience or a conference experience. But we've never really looked at that as a comprehensive go-to-market strategy and really trying to focus in on our markets, our customers, our channels, and our product and value proposition. So Elijah's been leading that and doing a nice job with it. Got a long way to go with it still. It's a massive project. If Terry decides to keep it going in his reign of terror, then, um, yeah, we're really just in that top of the first inning right now. Long, long way to go. But it's the right thing to do for our members because the more members we can bring in, the more content we create, and it becomes a really virtuous cycle for everybody. My understanding is that corporate memberships are growing. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. growing like a weed. Yeah, Which yeah. that's, I mean, a huge difference from yeah, when I was sitting in course. you guys' chairs was yeah. we still were predominantly an individual membership. And yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting to talk more with you guys about the changing nature of professional organizations and, and the fact that it is more corporate. The University of Tennessee is a corporate member. Yeah. So what, what's your perspective on that? I, I think it's a big deal because I think that corporations – recognize the fact that they want to attract the best talent and that the best talent wants to continue to grow after they get out of university. It's not to say that universities are failing. It's not to say that they're coming up short. It's to say that there is an ongoing need for professional development mm -hmm. and that this generation that's coming up now looks at this as part of the corporation's responsibility to them to continue to grow and the corporations look to them as part of their responsibility as a good employee or teammate to improve their skill set and their network so they can become better. So I think it's actually you're seeing kind of the, the marketplace speaking 
and the fact that corporate memberships is grow are growing so well. Yeah, yeah. so it is. It's just next step in that talent pipeline, right? Yeah, but I think it also raises a challenge because now we have to be a little bit more heavy handed, a little bit more uh, intentional and strategic about ensuring engagement, right? Because if you're a part of if a corporate membership, I mean, you could technically become a member of the organization by reason of your corporation becoming a member, and you might not necessarily lean into the membership, right? Yeah. That's one of the differences between those individual members that they they right. were signing up. They were signing up and they were engaged, right? But if you are kind of a part of an umbrella of membership, you may lean into all the benefits and all the resources that we have. You might just kind of, you know, touch the edges a bit. So we have to be more intentional and focused on how do we ensure that we're bringing those corporate members into the organization. And so that whole awareness them. thing, sure. you know, is, is really good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I got to admit, I'm somewhat unaware of all the different things that I can engage. Certainly this conference every yeah. year is a biggie, right? Yeah. But so many other things that you can avail yourself of. And, and I think that's where the, you know, so one of the things that we'll be really focusing on in 2024, I mean, we did it in 23 and I want to keep this going in 24, is um, the local roundtable, the local chapters, right? I mean, how do you take a nine to 10,000 member organization and make it feel like you belong? It's going to be at the local, local level, level, right? Yeah. I mean, we come together every year at the conference, but the reality is that the local you know, roundtables are where the, the that's where the rubber meets the road. I mean, that's how many roundtables are there now? Oh, oh. We're, we're north of fifty at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. and it grew a lot last year. Membership overall grew twenty one percent, and yeah. uh, number of events grew thirty nine percent last yeah. year. Yeah, 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 I saw that in your presentation yeah. this morning. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. so it's, yeah. it's it, and Terry's one hundred percent right. This is a conference is amazing, and and anybody that hasn't been should come. But it's a once a year event and yeah. you need that continuity. You need that recency, that frequency. Yeah. And roundtables yeah. are that local touch yeah, point. Absolutely. They're super powerful. I mean, that's how I got involved with yeah. the organization. Yeah. Most of us probably found our way up to a roundtable. Round yeah. yeah, me too. Albany, New York roundtable. Yeah. I was yeah. Atlanta. Kansas yeah. City, Heartland roundtable. <laughs> in the building. <laughs> Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan. Nice. Yeah. As a doctoral student. Yeah. Now, and the roundtables are really where the action is those other 51 weeks of the year. Yeah. It's where you connect with your community and, and, and just some tremendous things. Of course, Columbus has a tremendous yeah, one, no, right? I think great. about how supportive they are of the community. And also, you know, I just say our student chapter on mm. campus as well, right? Yeah. You think about the student chapters and, you know, it's just a robust group. And it's great to see our students here at, yeah, yeah, at yeah. It, it as it well. It really is. Yeah. Getting uh, them here, I think, is a big way to get them jazzed about it. Because yeah, yeah. at least when I was on the board, one of the big challenges we had was we had a pretty robust student participation in CSCMP through student memberships. And then they would get out working and they would disappear. Yeah. And we couldn't find them. It's like, yeah. so how do you keep them sticky, you know? Yeah, of course, as an educator, you know, coming in the board chair role, I mean, that's something I'm passionate about. And I feel like if we've got someone who's in education, we might as well lean into that a bit. That's something that's on my mind, right? How do we continue that pipeline of membership? And how do we not have that tapering off? And then they find their way back some years later once their corporation becomes a member or once they say, hey, yeah, let me individual. Or that, right? you know, like you said, your first couple of years yeah, at Walmart. Right, right? Yeah, when but I wasn't above the bar. Right? Yeah, right. So, so we're thinking about that. How do we en- enhance that connectivity between the student CSEMP experience, the YP experience? And how do we really nail yeah. that? Right, and to make and students are clearly involved to get yeah. a job. There's there's great content when they go to their meetings and stuff, yeah. but they're mainly there to, to get pizza and <laughs> talk to Tom Nightingale yeah, when he exactly, comes to talk right. to the yeah, round yeah, table yeah, right, because he yeah, might give him a job, job right? Yeah. I, gave, I was giving a bunch of your guys a hard time the other day because they were all corralled into one circle. I walked up behind them and I said, hey, guys, let me give you a pro tip. 
don't talk to each other. Talk to old people like me. Yeah, right, right, right. right. And there are a lot of that, us walking that around. That dude doesn't have a job to get. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's right. Again, at the universities, you know, we, we, we get excited about the future. But I'm just curious about uh, Tom. You, you, you almost kind of described, with regard to freight, kind of bottom out, heading up. Sometimes we use the term VUCA. It's a highly volatile, uncertain. Can you say that on a podcast? VUCA? Oh. V-U-C-A. <laughs> <laughs> highly volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous future. But I mean, meanwhile, what are the things that excite you uh, as it might relate to the field, our opportunities, as well as the organization? Tom, yeah, I mean, I would say that we touched on this earlier in that the world does know what we do now, mm-hmm. much more so than they did before. There's still some ambiguity about it. You know, oh, could supply chain include procurement? Does it impl- include demand planning? All these things that maybe people don't think about because they think about the truck on the road. But I think the overall awareness is really exciting. I think the level of education that's available now, both in university settings and outside of university settings, is amazing. You know, our SC Pro going on to LinkedIn Learning has been I mean, 7,000 people you said that this morning. Yeah, started yeah, an SC Pro class on LinkedIn Learning. That's amazing reach for us as an organization. And it's indicative of the hunger that's out there because now there's awareness. I mean, I think about when I was going into undergrad, nobody ever, ever, ever talked about getting a degree in now, supply chain management. What, what was your undergraduate degree? Mine was in marketing. Yeah. Marketing and management yeah. and uh, Yours international is business. Yeah. Yeah. Mine yeah. was yeah. mechanical engineering and political science. Yeah. Econ finance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's so just, none of us started. Yeah. People yeah. of a certain era, a certain generation, it just wasn't really even an option. Right. And there's so many great options now. And, and we're graduating 430 north of a year gosh, in supply chain. That's what do you guys? Staggering. Yeah. Oh, man. We're much smaller than that. I'd say we're more close to. Well, what about across the two departments? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we're definitely in the low hundreds, but yeah, across the two, right? Yeah. But again, it's, it's still just indicative. We're, of yeah, just, so, you know, so to your yeah. point, Tom, yeah, there's a lot more people coming out with at least some under basic knowledge. Absolutely. And there's so many uh, so many good options. And then, you know, CSEP continues to fill that role of proliferating that knowledge out, even at the we're talking high school levels now in yeah. some cases. Yeah. Um, it's great. And I think that that level of awareness, that level of optionality in terms of education, and then the emerging set of tools that are out now. It's a lot sexier of a business than it used to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we were doing this on Green Bar, and uh, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't fun. Um, <laughs> but now all of a sudden, we've got really interesting tools that are getting younger people excited about the business, and they're seeing it as a career path into the CEO role. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely, pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah if I could just add to that, I think you're spot on, Tom. And I think you know what's interesting to me too is that you know. I guess in my limited thinking of CSMP, it's the gathering of supply chain people, right? But w- what I find perhaps more intriguing about these 7,000 folks that are on LinkedIn Learning and even what we're seeing in terms of, you know, attendance and little nooks and crannies of like interesting pockets of attendees at the conference now, these are not supply chain people. These are people who are in sales, finance, mm-hmm. who feel the need to understand what's happening in supply chain, right? So it's interesting because it's not just about you know, reinforcing the talent that's in supply chain. It's, it's about someone, yeah. yeah, it's right. about someone who may never take a job in supply chain, but they feel the need to understand what's happening in supply chain in order to do their job better in finance yeah. or in sales. Well, you know, organizationally, that's yeah. been a battle we've been fighting for decades, exactly. right? Is better yeah. recognition of the value we bring to the organization. Absolutely. And yeah. that recognition is, is huge. Yeah. Well, I went yeah. into yeah. the opening
opening day of the intro to supply chain management class, an alumni auditorium on campus. Yeah, you probably taught sure. in there, you know, 500 students. And, you know, a smattering of them have declared supply chain as a major. You know, congratulations. Maybe they got it figured out. But I went in with the message saying, most of you in here will work some shape or form in supply chain. You just don't know it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think all of us around this table would have been in that camp, you know, yeah, some absolutely. years ago, yeah, right? And all our majors. Right? And how it we it finds us, but, but to the extent that we can find them, right? And I think that's a really important thing. You know, we have this platform, we have this opportunity. It's largely unprecedented in the time we've been in the field to kind of take supply chain to them, whether they're ready for it or not. Yeah, you know? So yeah. to the extent that we can we can make them ready for it. Well, we've always said supply chain is kind of a perspective on managing a business. And, and I think that perspective is starting to get more accepted, particularly given the disruptions. You know, Terry, you'd said earlier that all these things, disruptions have been going on forever, yeah. but nobody really recognized it. It took like a major disruption that we yeah. had over the last few years for yeah. people to sit back and go, wow, when this stuff is broken, <laughs> yeah, we, we don't do anything. Right? You know, I, I've, I've been saying like the financial crisis that we experienced back in 08, 09. That was one of the best things that happened to us at the time. That's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Right. Because companies did start to say, hey, when we need to really start cutting our supply chain folks come through. Right. They are able to just manage things more efficiently, find ways that we can cut costs and be able to provide companies with the ability to you know stay afloat and, and operate at the profit level that we desire, right? So I thought, hey, you know, again, that crisis was a great thing. It really elevated how much supply chain was being talked about back then, right? Mm-hmm. This one, another one, <laughs> oh, just wow. elevated us to the next level. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, whole, we would cross all our digits that nothing else really significant happened like right. we just experienced yeah. the last couple of years. But the reality is that, you know, we know this business. We've been in it for decades. Well, the global it's network shift that's going sure, on. Sure, absolutely. Is generational. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, we're wrapping up in our time. Let's end it by what kind of final passing advice would you all provide to young professionals or people wanting to enter this field, given your vantage points? I would say just buckle up your chin strap. It's going to be a wild ride. You know, the, the best years in supply chain are ahead of us. The tools are just absolutely transformational. The educational system that supports their career journey is amazing. And their opportunity to really make a difference in the world is is enormous. So, uh, you know, brace yourself. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I would say that regardless of all the great analytical tools and all the great models and things we teach in the classroom as young professionals are starting out, supply chain is a people business, right? This is It's a people business. And the soft skills are the difference maker. We, we've gotten so sophisticated with how we teach supply chain now, all the technology. It's a new world. It's a new day. But the reality is that advancement and, and success in this career trajectory is going to come down to people. And so uh, as you're preparing all those you know, hard skills, be sure to also cultivate the soft skills because yeah. that is what really makes a difference. Yeah, and that also reinforces the network, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and the, the constellation. Is the constellation. <laughs> all, comes back, back all comes back to the constellation. And again, the role in which CSCMP is... And CSCMP is Polaris. Everything <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Exactly. That's yeah. it. Well, for all of our careers, right? Yeah, CSCMP is the true mind. The undisputed primary driver of our careers, which we're so thankful for. We're thankful for the two of you, gentlemen, for leading the organization you know, it's, these are tumultuous times, Ted pointed out, for, for professional organizations. But, hey, I'm convinced you all have the vision. you got the strategy. you got the, the wherewithal to make this happen. And we're, we're, uh, we're not only going to be alone for the ride. We're going to be uh, active uh, we'll supporters and participants yeah. in that. 
But hey, also, it just uh, let's close out by again recognizing Dr. Ted Stank. Oh man, it's it, it's been the season of Ted. I just need to point out that you know, not only uh, is he this year's Distinguished Service Award winner entering the Supply Chain Hall of Fame. But he was also part of the inaugural class of distinguished fellows here yeah, at CSCMP. So yeah. we had an opportunity yesterday to recognize that yeah. inaugural class. And, and your mentors were certainly part of that as well. I feel like a distinguished fella. Is it because of my cane? Is it because of my cane? Yeah, I'm a distinguished and distinctive. Yeah, we're not well, going to give out green jackets. We're going to give out cane. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. That's a good idea. No, I like that. Absolutely. You know, you put in the work. You get the reward. That's right. So that's, that's right. What, hey, it's, hey it's that, those are, that's the perfect way to close out the show, I think. Yeah. Put in the work, you get the reward. Yeah, and so thanks to all of you out there for listening. Thank you again, Terry, Tom, Ted. Congratulations. Uh, to our friends out there, we welcome your questions, your comments. Send them to gsci at utk.edu. And Ted, you get the final word. I get the final word. So I've been asked to do a promotional spot for our executive MBA oh, program. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12-month program, four residency periods of Life 10 days change. each, three Life continents, change. North America, Asia, Europe. Terry, to your point, I mean, these are generally people that have been out 15 to 18 years. And the big focus, we give them a lot of supply chain content. Every year, what they say they get the most out of it is the leadership content and the finance content about how they link what they're doing to financial benefit for the organization. And the peers, right? I mean, they're amongst... Oh, the peer network that they develop. The constellation they (laughs) develop. Hey, not to mention the organizational action plan that guarantees several X ROI, right? I mean, it pays for itself in a matter of, yep. of minutes, practically. So, yeah, I'm glad you got that spot okay, in there. So, with that, that's our promotional story. All right. All you right, guys don't have to endorse that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I was going to slide ours in. Hey, you guys got a new MS. Yeah, yeah, we're excited program. about that. Absolutely. All right, you guys. Thanks again. Everybody, we'll see you next month. Thanks for staying with us. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Tennessee on Supply Chain Management. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe today on your favorite listening platform to get all of our episodes as soon as they drop. And don't forget to take a moment to leave us a rating. Have any questions, thoughts, or feedback? We'd love to hear from our listeners. Email us at gsci at utk.edu. Join us next time as we continue pulling back the curtain on the world of supply chain, educating and entertaining you along the way. Until then, listeners. 